You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. And today, uh, we've got a missions guest with us. His name is Jeremy Goodwin. He is a friend of mine. I've known him. Uh, he, we were peers, uh, both children's pastors in the state of Ohio. And man, I've got some great fond memories of working at camps with you. He's an adventure nut, kind of like I am, and we just have had a lot of good times together. Um, after I moved here in 2006 to be the pastor here at the Gateway Church, he stepped into the role uh, that I was previous at Bethel Christian, and so he was the kids pastor after I left. And then in that process, God was stirring for missions and really always had had a heart for missions. And uh, what's great is they spent time, his family in Senegal and then uh, in South Africa now, and uh, today we're going to hear from him. And I, Pastor Bobby already alluded to it. The, the message is a little unique, let me just say. Uh, I wasn't ready for it, I'm, I'm telling you. Uh, but, but I believe it's timely, especially, Pastor Bobby, think about it. With what we're doing on Wednesday nights with Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, we've got a bunch of us going through that. Um, and just what God's doing here at the Gateway Church, you're, you're right on. And, uh, but we're going to start with a video greeting from, uh, from uh, Jeremy and Jenna Lee, our good friends. And then, uh, and then uh, uh, Jeremy's just going to take it over from there. So without further ado, let's uh, get this greeting and uh, we'll go from there. Hi, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Jenna Lee. Just recently, our journey brought us here in South Africa to work with the Healthy Pastor Healthy Church Initiative as a part of AGWM Africa. Our team is dedicated to all things church health. We want to see pastors equipped in the areas of discipleship, leadership training, children's ministry, church planting, and missions. Our heart is to assist them in accomplishing their ministry visions and goals, specifically working towards healthy families and healthy relationships. We want to see a healthy church within walking distance of every South African. Without healthy pastors and healthy ministry families, we will never see healthy churches. Thank you for partnering with us to see healthy pastors leading healthy churches all across South Africa. We love you and we appreciate you. The better part of my 20s Spent writing songs about God On a Prozac prescription Doesn't that seem hard? Cause I believe in a gospel And a God who is good Go ahead, these chemicals don't always work like they should <laughs> I have a feeling not many of you know it. This morning service, nobody knew this song. I don't, I don't get it. It, it, it kind of blows my mind. Like, I thought you guys were way up, like, missionaries are usually behind the times and don't know stuff. Like, but is there anybody in here that knows that song? One, 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 one lady, maybe two. Okay, good. Whew, I got two of you. <laughs> so, uh, 
I am Jeremy Goodwin, and you saw a picture of my family there, generally my wife and my three lovely daughters. Uh, this is our empty nesting year, so they are spread out all over the country. Elena, our oldest, is in Texas at Sagu. Annalise is in Ohio doing SU, a campus, uh, a remote campus in Ohio. And Abigail is way up in Gaylord, Michigan, finishing out her senior year and getting established up there. And I am traveling all over the country not necessarily all over the country, somewhat all over the country, primarily all over the Midwest, and doing itineration and re-raising our budget to be able to go back to South Africa. And it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of money. And that's why we need you guys giving your money. So take out your wallets. No. <laughs> no. Uh, I, okay, so Ben, Pastor Ben did not really fully know what I was going to be speaking, talking, how it was going to go this morning. Uh, and if you know me, historically, unique is a pretty good common word used for me. So I love that reference this morning, that it's a, it's a unique message. Um, I am a children's pastor at heart. My, my ministry is, is, is transforming and moving as we have transferred from Senegal to South Africa. I have pretty much stepped out of children's ministry, and I am stepping more into uh, pastoral leadership development with a focus on healthy pastors, healthy churches. We understand we need healthy pastors if we're going to have healthy churches. And that is looking at complete health, financials, like personal finances. We're looking at marriages and family dynamics. We're looking at physical health as well as mental health issues. And that's where I'm heading this morning. And my, my fight song, my hype song this morning, uh, I, I found it on Amazon Prime. When we come back to the States, I love Amazon Prime. I'm not a huge music guy. I'm more of like a podcast guy, right? Like I grew up like Midwest, uh, Iowa, 1040 WHO, listening to Rush Limbaugh, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And so when I come back stateside, I'll, I'll put it on 40, 50,000 miles on my vehicle this year. I've already in the past, maybe not even three months, I put on 12,000 miles on my truck. Um, and so like I'm doing a lot of traveling right now. And so I have lots and lots of time to listen to stuff. And so I've listened to lots and lots of podcasts, but every once in a while I just need to mix it up and I need music. And I, my girls love music and love making iTunes playlists and like we can sing Hamilton all day and, and lots of other things just because that's always on repeat with them. But every once in a while I need just something, just some music, just get me here to there and I'll do an Amazon playlist. And I think the one I've been listening to when this came up was Divine Sound. And like it kept coming up on these Amazon playlists. I'm like, this is weird. This is a weird song. What is this about? And, uh, but this is what it's about. God and Prozac. And it's by Chris Rinsma. And it says, the better part of my 20s spent writing songs about God on a Prozac prescription. Doesn't that seem odd? Because I believe in a gospel and a God who is good, but these chemicals don't always work like they should. Hung up on this heartache and the distance between the way that I'm feeling and what I believe, just got to know that you're with me. Yeah, I really do. But these feelings just need some help to break through. I keep moving forward and not get, I try, I keep trying to move forward and not get stuck in my head. 
if there's a foolproof solution, I haven't found it yet. Just got to know a day's coming when you'll make all things new. But till then, I'll just try to be honest with you. Because I've been writing the book on how to write you a love song. When I still need help trying to love myself. I've been writing the book on how to write you a love song. When I still need help trying to love myself. I still need help trying to love myself. Anybody else here trying to write God a love song? And we have a hard time loving ourselves, loving our circumstances, our situations, loving those that we're supposed to love, feeling God's love and loving God back. Man, I'm in my 40s, 44. Midlife crisis, woo! Bring it on, right? But there's a realization that we get confronted with, and it's our brokenness. We understand that the fall in the beginning brought brokenness to this world. As Christians, we should know we are broken. We are sinners. And that moment of salvation, that moment of accepting Christ into our lives, it, it rebuilds, it reestablishes relationship with God, but it doesn't end the brokenness. If we have a solid understanding of what it means to be a Christian, we understand that this entire life on this earth is a process of sanctification and becoming more Christ-like. Because we are broken. In missions and in all of this, we like in, in church, we like to ask, why do we do missions? Why do we do missions? As, as America, we are becoming less and less a Christian nation. We have all of these things we are faced with. We, we have this view of the church that is negative. The world has a view of the church that is negative. When you bring in racism, when you bring in uh, colonization, when you bring in all these other dynamics, uh, the American church, the, the church in America, what's our purpose? We're losing our purpose. And I propose to you, we stop asking, why are we doing missions? Why are we giving to missions? And we go back and say, what is the church? What is the purpose of the church? And I'm not just talking little C churches and gateway church. You guys are important. I love you. I'm talking big C church. I'm talking global church. The kingdom church. Going beyond assemblies of God. Going beyond assemblies of God world missions. Why are we the church? Bottom line, it's to be a witness. 
We are the testimony, the witness of God and his desire to reestablish relationship with us. We are the ones who are supposed to be that example to the world, to the lost. Pastor Ben mentioned this morning, like, there's a lost world. If you look at Joshua Project, they are saying 40% of the world, billions of people, have never even heard the name of Jesus, still today. And God is saying, church, I need you to be my witness. I'm asking you to be my witness. And so now we have to ask, as the church, what does that mean? In Africa and doing missions work in Africa and specifically now in South Africa, we believe the Assemblies of God, world missions, as missionaries, we believe we are more effective when we partner with the church around the world. When we help to raise the church up and we come alongside of them and we partner with them and we strengthen them because the indigenous church is going to be able to reach their community and different parts of this world more effectively and in better ways than us. As we partner with the South Africa church, as we partner with the Asian church, as we partner with the Latin American church, as we partner with the global church, our theological understanding of who God is, grows and expands, and kingdom work becomes more effective. And so we do missions because it's important. We do missions because it's what the church is called to do. We do missions because if we boil it all the way back down, it's about being a witness and a testimony to the world. That means you doing that here and now, and others of us going to other places and doing it and partnering with the parts of the world that are doing it. We need healthy pastors. We need healthy Christians. But we're broken. We're broken. And so we have to be able to figure all of that out. And what does that look like? What does that mean? And I'm learning time and time again, that what it means to be a witness. When I, when I was born, I was born in Springfield, Missouri, the national headquarters of the Assemblies of God. My parents were attending Central Bible College at the time. I, I, I bleed Assemblies of God. I, I, I was I was saved since conception. I think I was, I was, I was conceived on holy ground. <laughs> I, I grew up I grew up thinking that I had no real testimony because I was always saved I, I wasn't pulled out of like big tragic things and I had to have that moment as an 8 year old kid where I still determined that this is going to be my salvation not my parents salvation at nine years old, I was at kids camp when I heard the voice of God calling my name and telling me to go to Africa as a missionary. My mom confirmed that and relaying to me that, Jeremy, I've known that since you were a baby in my womb. God told me you would go and do missions work in Africa. But can I be vulnerable and real with you? 
were broken. And just in the last five years, we extended our term. There was a big transition from us for us for, to move from Senegal, where we were, down to South Africa, now where we're currently at. And in those five years, we had the pandemic. But just within my, my, my family, my family of origin, during that time, my older sister ran away, leaving her, her husband and five kids found a man, met him, went to Mexico, married him before she even ended her, her marriage here in the U.S. Within that same year, my mother was diagnosed with stage four renal cancer. At that point, my mom and dad, their relationship had broken so much that they were in serious talks about getting divorced in their 60s. My dad over the years, uh, fourth generation structural mover owned a family business and, and through the weight of carrying the family business and different dynamics, he, had, he struggled with depression. He, he attempted suicide on at least two occasions. He was cheating on my mom. He was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. There was narcissism involved. He was very verbally uh, abusive to my mom and to my other siblings. And at my mom's funeral, he already had lined up dates on dating websites. Within three months, he found another woman. Another three months after that, he was remarried. The day after, he went around and he signed his entire estate over to this new woman. Life is hard. And we're broken. We're all broken. And in this past year, as I said, like we are, we are now in our empty nesting year when we establish our girls here in the U.S. And Jenna Lee and I go back and do missions work in South Africa. And so we, through a bunch of other things and through some uh, autism, ADHD diagnosis within our family, we've been doing some counseling and, and working towards some things and And it's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. When we look at, at the book of Luke, the book of Luke is made for the Jewish people. It's written to them to, to take them through a story, to, to show them who Jesus is, that he is their savior. And in all of this, and in, in my counseling, and in, in, in everything that I am experiencing, and, in, and with the pastors, the broken pastors in South Africa that I'm working with, and as I travel around the U.S., and I, I, I sit and meet with pastors, and just a few weeks ago, I sat with some good friends, and, and they are just crying, like I'm sitting there around a the table with them, and they are crying, and, and the wife says, is every pastor going through this? Is every, is every pastor dealing with these issues? And the answer is yes. We are all facing that brokenness, but our relationship with God is built. Our testimony isn't built in, our witness isn't built in all the tragedy. Being a Christian doesn't mean we come here, we accept 
we accept God and then we go out and, and we're this beacon of light showing everybody that, or pretending or masking that we've got it all put together. That's not our testimony. Our testimony isn't that we were miraculously healed. Our testimony isn't that, that, that these great blessings have come our way because we accepted Christ in our life. That is not your testimony. That is not the witness. Because right now the world is looking at it and they're seeing through the facade and they're calling us hypocrites. They're seeing the hypocrisy of the church. Our witness is understanding we are broken and we are working to become sanctified every day. Our witness is in that, that testimony that, hey, I'm broken and I see you're broken. Can I tell you about the joy of coming back into relationship with God? It doesn't always fix everything. But can I, can I help you come alongside of you? Can I hold your story When the world sees us as broken and vulnerable and yet still sees hope and joy coming from our lives, still seeing that we are no longer self-focused and self-centered, but now seeing them and caring for their hurt and, and their experiences and knowing that we're going through similar things and, and we can relate, that's our witness. That's our testimony. That God can take us outside of just seeing everything we're going through. See the world and see the brokenness and see people through his eyes. And yet he still loves you. And he still wants to mend the broken relationship. So that we can come to him and sit at his table. In Luke, he starts his his. his he starts his argument in a sense. He starts his narrative. He starts his story out in Luke chapter 5 with a story of a tax collector. A tax collector named Levi, who we know ends up becoming one of the disciples named Matthew. And as, as Levi, sitting at the tax booth, he, and Jesus says to him, follow him, Levi leaves everything. He rose and he followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at, the, and at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And this is big. And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a, of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He's talking to the church, the chosen people. He's talking, his, his response is to the religious people. That's us. He's talking to us, and he's telling us, I have come for those who are sick, those who are broken. The problem that he is addressing with the Jewish people, the religious leaders, with us as a church, he's saying, quit faking it. I know you're broken. I'm here to mend that relationship. I'm here to walk with you. I'm here to reestablish fellowship around this table with you. Just as Jesus went with Matthew and the sinners and the other taxmen. 
He's saying, that's what I want from the church. I want you to recognize your brokenness. And no, it's okay. Yet come, be with me. Let me comfort you. Let my spirit comfort you. As you make your way through this story of Luke, you end up towards the end. I, I'm, not a, I'm not an English person. <laughs> Anything with languages and, and all of that, I'm, I'm really not great at. Uh, but in a narrative storyline, we understand Luke is choosing stories directed towards a Jewish audience and it's building if we understand how a novel or how fiction or how those things are written, you build the story up to a climactic point. What is the climactic point in the book of Luke? What's the climax? What? Uh-oh, I scared him. The death and resurrection of Jesus. That's our salvation moment. That's the, fl the switch being flipped. The light's coming on. Jesus has paid the price. He is the redeemer. That is the moment we're building to. But we get to Luke chapter 19, just before he enters into Jerusalem for that Passover week, for this big climactic moment. And we find ourselves in Luke chapter 19. And it's a fantastic story. It's a fantastic story. Luke chapter 19, first part of it. Verses 1 to 10. I, I do kind of feel bad, but it's kind of exciting too, and I love it. Pastor Jamie gave me this after first service. It's so good. It's so good. Because what do we do with that story? What is that story? Does anybody recognize it? Where's, my kids are all gone, so they may, nobody's in here to tell me what this... Yes, Zacchaeus! The wee little man, look at him dangling here. I love it. Although, let's put him back over on the tree here. You know, and he climbs the tree. We love it as a children's story. As children's, former children's pastors. Like, that was such a good story. You could act it out. All the kids could relate. You get, you get the tiny kid, maybe, and you have him climb a ladder or climb something, and he's in this tree. Or Like, it's such a great children's story. Come on. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. Or I, I grew up singing it. For I'm going to your house for tea. You know, so there's a kind of couple variations on it. But it's such a good story. Am I right? But this is the story that Luke chooses to tell his Jewish audience just before the big climactic moment. This is an adult story. This has big implications written in it. Do we understand it? Do we understand what Luke is saying? When you, look at a, when you look in the Bible and you research it and you figure out what it is about a tax collector and why they were moral outcasts, why the Jewish community put them in the same category as a prostitute, it's because 
They were living under Roman oppression at the time. In order to get to that style of hierarchy, in order to get to that position, even Levi as a low-level tax collector, as a Jewish man in a Roman empire, you had, typically you had to like indenture yourself like slavery, indentured slavery to someone of high standing, you had to step on people. You had to fight your way, not, not like gladiator style, but fight your way to get to that kind of position. As a Jewish man, I don't care how tall you are. As a Jewish man, what kind of brokenness do you have to go through and experience and face in your life to get to the chief tax collector position where you are despised by the Jewish people and you despise and you cheat them and you steal from them, you rob from them? At that level, you are an outcast to the Jewish community, which means the religious elite will not allow you access to the temple. You have been banished from the temple. As a Jewish person, being banished from the temple meant you no longer had access to God because that's where God was. That's where you bring your sacrifice. That's where you receive forgiveness. And Zacchaeus no longer had that. And in this scene, in this moment, we have a Jewish man climbing a tree just to lay eyes on Jesus. And Jesus is walking by with all the commotion, everything going on, and he looks up and he sees that man who recognizes that he is sick, that he is broken, and Jesus lays eyes on him and he says, Zacchaeus, I see you. I see your brokenness. I see you at your worst. And I love you. Come down. Let's go to your house. <laughs> and the religious elite still didn't get it. The church, we still struggle to get it. Why do we do missions? Why do we go and tell the world? Why is it so important? Because God sees all of us as broken. He sees us at our worst. He sees our, when he looks at us, he sees our entire lives and sees how bad it is, how bad it's going to get. And he says, I still love you. I still see you. I still want you to come and sit with me at this table. That's a calling for all of us. And it's not something we have to run away from and hide and pretend it's something that we look at and we say, okay, God, I've been ignoring it. I've been pushing it aside. I, 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 I have been trying to make it through this life with this mask on. God, help me to face my brokenness and know that you love me regardless and let me find Let me walk with joy and hope in that brokenness. Why do we do missions? Because we're broken. Because the world is broken. And God is our hope and our joy and our comfort. I've already relayed that 
we've we've done some counseling in this past year. In fact, we did uh, a program. It's at alongside. It's just over here in Kalamazoo, and it's for pastors and missionaries. And it's uh, you go there, and it, it's an intensive of of just learning some things and and grounding yourself and daily counseling. And part of that is is group counseling group sessions and I've never done one before and and when we first got there they informed us that this this group session is something that pastors missionaries when they come here always go away from and and just almost always say that that is the part that they love that they receive the most benefit out of and in that time there one day we had a lady in my group that that came and going through some really incredibly awful things and and she wrote it out and she 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 was having a hard time just like speaking it and saying it and so she wrote it out and she wanted to read it and she read out her She read out that experience. And when she was done, the guy leading us, the counselor leading us, said, hey, can you just read that again? And like, she's like, I, I, I barely made it through the first time. I don't think I can do it again. And he's like, no, no, just, I want you to read that again. But I want us to turn it into a lament. We want to hold that story with you. And we want to lament with you. And so as you read it and you get to a spot and you just need to stop. As a group, we're just going to say, you know, this phrase of encouragement with you. It was such a beautiful moment. Oh boy. It's not an all over. I'm going to try to finish here. The Psalms, there's a lot of discussion on it. I just looked it up here. Um, and scholars see the, the Psalms as anywhere from like 30 to 70%. There's, there's disagreement, but most scholars, most biblical scholars believe that three quarters, three quarters of the Psalms are laments. The Psalms are so important, even today to the Jewish community. They read the Psalms throughout the year. They read them for their celebrations and they communally lament their experiences. As, we, as we're right now looking at what the Jewish community is is facing Palestinians and all of that like they take these laments very seriously and in, I want to do that with you this morning I want to read Psalms 38 with you Psalms 38 is a psalm of David they, they, they believe it's a psalm of David written to get God's attention and as I read this I'm going to have these moments where I pause and I, as a community here today, we're just going to say together, God, send the comfort of your spirit. I want you to lament with me. I want you to lament with your pastor. Pastor. 
I want you to lament and take this and use it as your own lament if you're needing it this morning. I want you to take it and use it as your lament if you know uh, a loved one, a family member, a best friend, a colleague needs this. I want you to lament for them. Not fix it. Not impose your story on top of their story. Hold this story for one another this morning. And let's read it and lament together. O oh Lord, do not continue to rebuke me in your anger. Do not continue to punish me in your raging fury. For your arrows pierce me and your hand presses me down. My whole body is sick because of your judgment. I am deprived of health because of my sin. For my sins overwhelm me like a heavy load. They are too much for me to bear. My wounds are infected and starting to smell because of my foolish sins. God, send the comfort of your spirit. I am dazed and completely humiliated. All day long I walk around mourning, for I am overcome with shame and my whole body is sick. I am numb with pain and severely battered. I groan loudly because of the anxiety I fear. Oh Lord, you understand my heart's desire. My groaning is not hidden from you. My heart beats quickly. My strength leaves me and I can hardly see. God, send the comfort of your spirit. Because of my condition, even my friends and acquaintances keep their distance. My neighbors stand far away. Those who seek my life try to entrap me. Those who want to harm me speak destructive words. All day long they say deceitful things. I am like a deaf man. I hear nothing. I am like a mute who cannot speak. I am like a man who cannot hear and is incapable of arguing his defense. God, send the comfort of your spirit. Because of my condition, even my friend, oh wait, uh, yet I wait for you, O Lord. You will respond, O Lord my God. I have prayed for deliverance because otherwise they will gloat over me. When my foot slips, they will arrogantly taunt me, for I am about to stumble and I am in constant pain. Yes, I confess my wrongdoing and I am concerned about my sins, but those who are my enemies for no reason are numerous. Those who hate me without cause outnumber me. God, Send the comfort of your spirit. They repay me evil for the good I have done. Though I have tried to do good to them, they hurl accusations at me. Do not abandon me, O God. My God, do not remain far away from me. Hurry and help me, O my Lord, my deliverer. God, send the comfort of your spirit. Church, we're broken. It's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to see that brokenness in someone else. And it shouldn't be our response that we tell them how to fix it or how their sin is causing the problem or how if they would just fix this area of their life, it would be done and over with. As the church, we come to this place to support one another, to be an encouragement to one another, to hold one another's story. And as the big C church, it is all of our responsibility and all of our call to be his witness and to spread the gospel, the good news that despite your brokenness, 
despite what you've experienced, despite your sins, despite the situations of life that you find yourself in, God loves you. He always has. He always will. And he just wants to invite you back to the table. That's why we do missions. That's what missions is about. That's why we continue to give to missions and be a part of missions because it's what the church was called to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just come before you this morning and I lift up Gateway Church to you. I don't know who is here right now that needed this message, that needed to know that it's okay to be broken. It's okay to to find yourself struggling. It's okay to shout out to God and say, God, where are you? It's okay to say, I don't get this. I don't get this. But Lord, help us also know it's not okay to put that blame on other people in the church and to make that burden heavier for them. Lord God, help us as a church to be an encouragement, to be holders of stories, to be able to make a first response, a lament response. And Lord, as we do that, and as we reestablish joy and hope in our lives, because you have invited us, you have seen us, and you've called us down and you've invited us to the table. You've reestablished relationship with us. As we go out broken into this broken world, let that be the light that shines out of us. Not that we're pretending, not that we're masking it, but let it be a genuine joy and hope that exudes from us even in our brokenness. So that the people look at us and see we're broken and yet we still have hope and joy and they want that. Lord God, I love you. And I pray that the comfort of your spirit surrounds every person in here today and lets them know that they are loved and that you are with them and that you are sitting at their table. We love you in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.